Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And welcome to another beautiful, it's summer in Wisconsin. It's June 1st. Oh, what a, what a beautiful time. And we have our full panel, which means Priscilla Bort, our Movement Politics Director, is with us. Priscilla, great to have you. Hello. Happy, happy Thursday for all listening on Thursday. Happy June 1st. Happy Pride Month. Happy summer. All of it. Today's a, today's a happy day. Yeah. It is. It's gorgeous out. We're, <laughs> we might be a little uh, short of rain, but otherwise it is hard to complain with the weather we got. Robert Craig is with us also, the executive director here. Robert, good to have you. Good to be here. Good for it to be Wisconsin summer. And there's at least some rain in Southeast Wisconsin coming Thursday, <laughs> Friday. So you'll get Not if you live anywhere close to Lake Michigan. Oh, I hear that may change today. But regardless, people, get out. It's gorgeous. It is Pride Month. Um, we'll talk later in the show more about that. And obviously, a number of amazing events, including uh, one here in Milwaukee kicking off this weekend, which folks ought to check out, but we'll talk more about that later. Hey, you know, we are going to talk about the debt deal because we record Thursday morning. And as of last night, the house passed the, the deal that was struck over the weekend. And I am super interested to hear from both of you and get your thoughts on this because I'll admit I am surprised and I'm mostly surprised because I did not think the House leaders, and I'll just start with this, I did not think the House would ever come to any kind of deal like this deal. And I'll just start with that. I am surprised. That that being said, the the devils in the details of the deals, I want, you know, we'll leave for further discussion. So I was surprised by that. I'm curious to hear your thought, both of your thoughts on that. As of last night, passed the House with mostly Democratic support, but also um, the key question as to whether McCarthy's leadership was in jeopardy. He did get two thirds, um, but he still has a major caucus. I think there's over 100 folks who did not vote for this um, in opposition. And some of those are progressive Democrats and also more Freedom Caucus conservatives. And we can talk more about that. But it is now headed to the Senate where Schumer is basically saying, we're not, I don't even think we're going to have an amendments. We just got to get this back and get this done, which means it sounds like this is likely a done deal. So Priscilla, I'm going to go to you first uh, to just get your general thoughts. And then Robert, follow up with you on your overall thoughts. And then I, I do want to dive into some of the details, obviously SNAP and some of the other things around food and the areas. But Priscilla, overall, your thoughts on this deal. Yeah, uh, I too was was surprised when I saw the news alerts come in yesterday and was like, oh, this this got through, this happened. Um, so it's, it's very interesting to go through the list of uh, who the 117 knows were and that interesting combination of, of progressives and the Freedom Caucus uh, and uh, People, you know, on our side, standing up for like th those details that are really sneakily in there. Um, I talk about this, I think every week, the, 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 the confusion in the details, this is for sure on purpose and how fast it moved and had to move. There's a lot of details that everybody 
is is missing. Uh, but yeah, excited to talk about a little bit more about the snap uh, coming up in a little bit. But yeah, I was also very, very surprised by how fast it moved and how fast it is moving. Robert, Robert, were you also surprised uh, that this thing got done so quickly? And then your thoughts. I don't think I was as surprised as the two of you, but also I think that um, we have to, I try to think like an organizer. I think we learned that a lot of the Republican caucus actually is terrified of a, of, of uh, not paying the, the nation's bills and sparking an economic disaster here and worldwide. Uh, there's a hard core of them, uh, probably mostly the ones who voted against this deal and have been speaking out forcefully from the Freedom Caucus and adjacent folks who are crazy enough just to, to will do anything, will but they ultimately uh, refused to, uh, they, they, they threatened to kill the hostage, but they weren't willing to follow through with killing the hostage. And you see that in the deal as well. They did not get very much. They got a lot less than uh, Republicans got 12 years ago out of Obama, um, the sequester that, that really hampered the whole recovery from the Great Recession and, and, was, much more, and was, was much more severe and there are actually ways to work around this. And quite frankly, look, I'm appalled by some of the things in it, and we can get to that. We can get to the work requirements, to the uh, restarting of student debt payments. Uh, but ultimately, Biden and the Democrats could not allow the default. And a lot of these things were going to happen or worse in the budget process. In a way, they may have gotten a better deal here and therefore going into the budget process this fall than they would have otherwise. And we do a divided government and revenue bills do have to start with the House and it's controlled by uh, a malignant right-wing Republican party. And so it was, it was gonna be a budget we didn't like regardless. And the only solution is to sweep them out of office in 2024 and to limit the damage, which I think was done, though we can dicker about, could, we don't know, could he have gotten other things other than what he got, et cetera? Would they have been worse or better? That's that's hard, but I think more will come out about that. Well, let's get into the details um, because they do matter. And right, the details are will explain, obviously, why uh, we had 100 plus folks not vote for this, both folks aligned with us on the progressive side. So, for example, Mark Procan and uh uh, Gwen Moore did not vote for this, right? And a number of other progressives who were deeply aligned with. And um, Robert, I'll and Priscilla, we'll dive into SNAP and some of the other details as to why a lot of those uh, progressives didn't vote. But let me just start, right? The main reason on that is, right, there's a general feeling that there sh should never have been a negotiation, right? And let's just say that up front, right? Like, and we talked about that in the past. We talked about it last December. This shit should have been settled a long time ago. And by the way, Schumer, who, who's been basically on the sidelines and is punting, was a part of that, right? And not doing anything because of whatever political calculation and concerns he had with cinema and whoever, right? But we could have handled this on our own and didn't. And so that is, there. there is a rightful upset out there. And I'll just say this, I'm pissed about the idea that we even negotiated. And I do think the hostage taking was apt uh, in the same way I feel uh, Representative Madison is right about the state budget shared revenue thing being a similar 
kind of hostage taking. Anyways, that being said, Robert, I think you're right. I do think uh, I feel like the Republicans caved and showed that this is the in some ways it's the same old masters controlling that party because folks it's very clear to me the things they cared about the big thing they cared about was the defunding and getting money out of the irs and making it not being able to go after let's face it folks a lot of their donors and there's a deep philosophical thing there and by the way it shows the bullshit of this whole thing the idea that this was about debt because this is going to increase <laughs> the debt. This was never about that. That was a pure policy thing. But hey, man, I'm sure their backers, the big, uh, the wealthy folks uh, behind a lot of this garbage, uh, they really clearly wanted that very, very much. And those are still the backers of the mega movement. And let's not forget that. So Priscilla and Robert, let's talk about SNAP. Let's talk about that right now. I want to hear, uh, Priscilla, You first of all, your thoughts on this. This is the biggest, to me, the biggest thing that, again, also bullshit. It's going to cost more money because we're going to just basically, again, be providing litmus tests and trying to not provide coverage to people. It's absurd. Priscilla, your thoughts on SNAP and then Robert. Yeah. Um, I think it's just, it speaks to how hard it is to exist in uh, this world uh, and be poor to not be to not even not be rich but to be struggling and to tell somebody hey you need to uh, spend 80 hours a week doing stuff outside of your job and how are you going to find a job and prove that you're looking for a job uh, it's it's just ridiculous that we are putting all of these fine details about being poor that somebody can't just be poor in this country that they have to be poor and prove all these other things and be limited in terms of so many just in terms of their their rights like these are not like snap should never have been a privilege is basically what they're saying now I'm like oh yeah it's gonna be a privilege for you to be on snap be be happy that we didn't just cut the whole program like uh just it's it's just frustrating to always have to be picking at these crumbs like we just gotta get there uh and this this was not it uh this is moving us just in the absolute opposite opposite direction of where we need to be going well robert we're gonna get your thoughts right after this break on snap and then we'll dive into other aspects of this you know it's a it's a historic agreement folks you're listening to the battleground wisconsin we are citizen action you can find us at citizenactionwi.org and hey if you are not a member i need you to marinate and why not we need your support you notice there's no corporate sponsors on this show that you listen into so please consider going on there and donating folks we'll be right back Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're talking about this historic deal that as we record has passed the House and is headed to the Senate and Chuck Schirmer light speed time will fly through the Senate and uh, certainly be signed by the President. Robert, we're diving into snap details because it's one of the biggest bullshit pieces of the deal. Your thoughts on what's in there? And, and let's also just add, and Robert, you can get into the details of this. This is not as bad as what was originally proposed by this mega wing. Well, 
we shouldn't be surprised. There's a long-term right-wing conspiracy against the role of government in guaranteeing everyone has health, has food, has housing, the other basics. And they find nice wedge issues that sound good to people, right? Like photo ID. Well, I have photo ID so I can show it when I vote. Why can't other people? And of course, there's all these complexity as to why that actually disenfranchises. Uh, and so really the same issue here, but it works well because it ties into the American belief that uh, the, in the work ethic, right? And creates a lie that these fo that folks are refuse who are hungry are refusing to work or who need healthcare refusing to work. We'll talk about that later. And Robert, uh, we, we saw this policy. just with the recent referendums, right? That yes. got overwhelming support and, and tapped into the same attitude. And the Democratic funded part of the Democratic establishment, the nonprofit side, decided to punt on those referendums last time. We're not even trying to explain why they're damaging. And that means they're going to come up and be used as a cultural wedge issue over and over again. So that's what's going on here. And uh I think I heard a little better messaging from members of Congress. By the way, the progressives who voted no, I, I think I would have if I was in Congress, understanding that uh, they they also had a system where a green card was put up where it wouldn't mean defaulting. So people were kind of given permission. But I think it's important for progressives to make a statement that this stuff is unacceptable, though some more of them probably would have voted for it if it came between that and default, right? Uh, so that's very important. I think that's the appropriate thing for Congresswoman Moore and Congressman Pocan to do um, as members of the Congressive Caucus. Now, this doesn't do as much damage. It's very limited, but it does do damage. The Congressional Budget Office, which often sows confusion, um, has claimed it will actually improve enrollment because it removes exemptions for veterans and for homeless people. But what they understate is all of the administrative burdens, which is we'll talk about later, uh, this these system is underfunded and they don't and they don't fund it more. And people often don't aren't able to prove these work requirement exemptions because they can't they can't navigate the process and get the proof and get the pay stubs, or there there really aren't jobs of and training available, and they have other barriers like they're taking care of a sick uh, parent, you know, uh, who needs care, or they're or they have mental health challenges, right? That that prevent them from doing the jobs they're available. None of this is considered, but I'm telling you, it it the research shows overwhelmingly in this case too that these restrictions do not increase work. We know that of all work requirements. They're just designed to punish the poor and reduce the number of people on the rolls. And we'll get to it later, but the complexity they want to add sounds reasonable to people. And to, but the real effect is not to improve uh, the programs, not to get people family supporting jobs or even jobs at all, but simply to cut people off needed food and healthcare. And that's what's gonna happen here. Even if there's an enrollment increase here, let's say that the CBO is right, because uh, we're helping some groups, we're still harming a whole lot of people. So let's not look at aggregate and say there's justice, right? Yeah, absolutely. And folks, as progressives, it's very important for us to, to lead in getting people to understand why having barriers and qualifiers to who get things it's it's it, it's highly problematic because it it stops a lot of folks mostly who should get it from getting it and it's really expensive to administer to do it and think about that we're setting up a system 
to exclude people, to find ways to not provide people in need with health, with healthcare in some cases, and in this case, food, right? That's often what we're up to and what Republicans are pushing. And the truth is, a lot, if there's going to be savings, it's going to be because people who need it don't get it. And that is just unbelievable that that's what this debate came down to. And I want to recenter that. That's ultimately what these folks wanted. They wanted that and for their rich people to pay less in taxes and not have the tax police be robust and powerful. That's what this came down to. It's pretty appalling, Priscilla. Yeah, we're criminalizing people for being poor. And it's just, it's it's frustrating. It's terrible. We're seeing also outside of SNAP, you know, this this big push to have student loan payments happen again. So again, we're, we're criminalizing people for, we're telling people, hey, go get an education, figure out how you're going to pay for it. But like, we're not going to help you, but we're going to help you to a certain point, And then you got to pay it all back. And good luck trying to figure it all out. Uh, and it's just, if you're not wealthy and well-connected, uh, this this bill was not for you, as many bills are, are not uh, for the non-wealthy and not well-connected here. Uh, and it's 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 frustrating. It's good to see that there are like progressives putting up the fight and that they haven't given up. I'm I'm very happy to see some of these these solid names that are always out there. Uh, but it's just it's so tiring. Like just want to <laughs> exist and not have to worry about all of these these little things that you're gonna forget. Oh, did you work? 40 hours did you work 40.5 hours and now you lost some benefit uh did you not make this payment quite on time did you make it in 121 days instead of 120 and now you defaulted uh it's just wild to exist as a person uh and so just again i'm glad that we have people trying to make it better well yeah. priscilla priscilla let me just say if you're you know, like an airplane, a missile, if you're part of the defense, right? Like you, you were unscathed. You were of more value, Robert. We do need to lean in on how unethical and in many cases, racist it harms, you know, black and brown folks much more. This is while also viewing it strategically is how we change it, to hold both thoughts, the, the, the thought Priscilla just added and the next one. Uh, the, 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 the thing on the student loans is the deal Biden made is that they were trying to get rid of his debt forgiveness. So he kept that pending what the Supreme Court does. So that could be struck down in lieu of this. So it was the horse trading that you end up with, with divided government, with them holding the, the purse strings of, of government with the House of Representatives, but it's awful, as, as Priscilla pointed out. Strategically, Priscilla talked about it being exhausting. That's real. And this is where organizing and activism matters. We need to understand that if people get demoralized by this and don't vote in the next election against this wing of the Republican Party, then it'll get a lot worse than this. And so we need to hold the thought that this is bad, but also understand that uh, Biden, his best, his only option here was to limit the damage. But now that he's done this on student loans, what I would propose, and others are saying this, 
is that he needs to come out very strong with his student loan debt and affordability package for the next election and be really clear what he is going to do if he is given a governing majority and not simply tout this as a bipartisan deal and that it's okay because as Priscilla says, it's not. So there we go. We're into what really matters here. It is game on for election 2024 after this thing gets signed. Um, If you think about it, what happened in this deal in many ways, and I'll just say Biden caved the minute he agreed to negotiate. Okay. But then once we got into negotiating, the House Republicans caved like a bunch of cards because what we just talked about, their real interests were to take care of some of their funders and make sure that the IRS didn't get didn't get the resources it needs uh, to do what it needs to do to go get the revenue. That's a very important thing. And they wanted to, as we said, go after these. But that being said, the election is on. We mentioned this after um, the last election that essentially this is going to be a stalemate for two years. There's not going to be anything passed, right? This proves this is the only thing of consequence. They're, they've basically, here's what we got for the next two years. And then now the election starts because they will start attacking everything that they didn't get in this deal. And, and, and that was in that original bill and say, elect us. This is what we will do. And it's time for us. And then what Robert was saying to get out there and essentially lay out, start laying out the 2024 agenda and what an expansion of the Inflation Reduction Act. What would it look like to pass a Green New Deal and to start putting these markers out for the election? Because that's what this election is going to be about. And ultimately, we are going to have to win with the maps that exist and wipe out the mega House Republicans. That's it. That's all there is. And otherwise, we will have gridlock, right? Um, and it's very clear. Folks, one other thing I want to get, panel, I want to get your comments on, but I got to first go to break. And we'll do this after break. So um, we are going to talk about one other connect to Wisconsin as it relates to this deal, and that is the loss of COVID money and its impact on Wisconsin's budget. After this break, you're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. Welcome back. Before we move on topics, there is one really important piece. Uh, the state of Wisconsin did not and has not spent all its COVID money. And um, that is a big thing, clawing back the COVID, unspent COVID money. Evers announced this has an implication here for Wisconsin. Uh, that's significant. Um, Robert, I know you had something you wanted to articulate on this. Priscilla, obviously, if you if you have any other thoughts. And then we after this, I do want us to turn to some state news. Robert. Look. I think the the COVID response in every state has been frustrating, right? But the governor is not the only Democrat governor, and certainly Republican governor has been doing this. They have retained a lot of the money kind of as a money they can dole out for various purposes that are important to them politically. It might have good public policy interests, but actually aren't that directly related to the pain and suffering and the death. Uh, wrought by COVID-19 and the effect on average working people. And here we are. There was this pot of money that's existing in a number of states, including Wisconsin, and the Republicans went after it, and it was available before it was subject to this deal. So bad on the Republicans. They're the ones who wanted to do this, and they've denied. They want to claim the crisis over when people here to die in very large numbers. 
deny the Holocaust of, of over a million people that died. But nonetheless, there's complicity here in kind of playing politics with small pol ball politics with this with this money, rather than uh, really surging it into what would have saved lives uh, much more directly and dealt with the damage to people who 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 can't recover on their own, right? Who still need tremendous help, housing, uh, employment, training, food, healthcare, everything. Particularly as we the public emergency ends and over three hundred thousand people may lose their badge here in Wisconsin. Priscilla, yeah, I think. Um... Another thing with this this COVID money spending is we're gonna some students are gonna lose some uh, some food benefits, some breakfast and lunch benefits at school, uh, which uh, it's it's just wild to think about already that like food that a lunch debt is a a term that's used sometimes that students can go into breakfast and lunch debt at their school but you know there was a pandemic um benefit program that's now ending and what's going to take its its place we know that uh there are some great folks out there fighting for things like free and accessible school meals for for students which it should be uh but to to lose all of these programs is is just it's heartbreaking that this money is just gonna go and and we know that these school districts don't have the resources to replace this but again i'm gonna reiterate remember folks this just shows the priorities what this fight was about right taking these kinds of things away from people who need it and then benefiting their wealthy benefactors that's it in a nutshell with that robert uh i do want you to tell us more about an important uh coalition that has sprung up in terms of uh, a, a bunch of groups getting together to call on governor evers to be more forceful uh, and use his veto on a number of issues and a number of different bills uh, uh that are before him tell us more yeah, this is a very broad coalition, a number of groups with significant influence in different and with different sectors. Uh, but just like we talked about with the SNAP work requirements, the Republicans have been very busy introducing a bevy of bills that damage our basic social supports, uh, our badge care program, our unemployment insurance program, etc. We've talked about Assembly Bill 148, for example that not only uh, bans automatic re-registration for Badger Care, we know the person's income makes them qualified because we have the records. You know, the state does have you pay taxes, right? And has your income. Um, and But um, also would require you to re-enroll every six months. It's a cumbersome, uh, underfunded process. And all it does is even having to do it yearly is, uh, is create a barrier to people who are eligible for health care coverage or go, go without health care coverage, which is a basic human right and will and puts them at grave risk, both to their financial well-being, but also their health. And um, quite frankly, we're already going to lose over 300,000 people off the badger care rolls because of the difficulty of going from uh, no no need to prove eligibility, doing it once a year, which is the status quo. And by the way, it costs a bunch of money 
you see all these things are it's going to be very expensive to do this and it's not it doesn't provide any further accountability it's just like the big lie of election fraud this is the big lie of all these ineligible people on the hammock of badger care who are really doing fine or lazy or whatever it's it's a lie so there's a whole lot of other elements here with unemployment insurance which is already cumbersome and difficult to deal with because uh, too many elected officials, more Republicans than Democrats, but some Democrats want to want to yeah, I don't know uh, provide a put everyone in a stock who has lost their job and needs to needs to support themselves and their family when they find other work, right? Especially with all the outsourcing in this state and corporate behavior and and workforce practices as they are. So there's just a whole series of these and a very large coalition is signed on asking the governor to veto, which is another sign that we also need to be thinking about the governor's substantial veto authority when it comes to the state budget, which we've been doing here at Citizen Action. So, Robert, thank you very much uh, for that update. And please, folks, I want to remind you, you need if you have not called Governor Evers right now, call him. All right. Call him and tell him he needs to use his leverage, both in the state budget and a whole host of these other bills that a lot of other groups care deeply about. I do want to talk about some other things that dropped in the state legislature this week. Folks, if you thought that because there's one of the worst and most egregious bans on abortion in Wisconsin, <laughs> that the Republicans were you know, done on uh, trying to restrict women's access to health and reproductive rights uh, and might actually be looking to try to find some common ground. <laughs> Sorry, I laugh because this is so serious, but it it's it's not happening. They introduced some god awful bills criminalizing abortion rights. Priscilla, your thoughts, and then Robert, uh, you follow up uh, your thoughts on this. This is obviously egregious but uh buckle up folks the fight is still on yeah it's uh this fight's not going anywhere anytime soon uh but definitely doesn't mean that we gotta let the foot off the gas pedal anytime soon um you know it's it just they keep finding things to to make uh their their war their attack on reproductive rights and everything that that encompasses as hard as possible uh and they you know they said oh we're, we're keeping the we're not changing the ban we're just we're not adding anything we're just clarifying it like you are like you are changing things you're you're quote clarifying by finding little bits and pieces and words that you can add and be like oh well this word is actually in there so this is what this word means and that expanded a whole bunch of extra non-reproductive rights and non non-rights of people who are pregnant or don't want to become pregnant or are pregnant and don't know what to do. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, they're not done anytime, anytime soon. Uh, this is probably mild in terms of what they're not uh, done doing yet. But like, we are still a state that deeply wants reproductive rights. We've seen it on referendums across the entire state, whether you are in Milwaukee or La Crosse or further up north, uh, people want access to reproductive rights, whether it affects them directly or indirectly. Yeah. Absolutely. And it, Robert, look, this is smart on their part because uh, it's technical, but also, by the way, like 
go after the 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 smart choke point the provide like who's actually providing if you can get fear and medical providers well shit you can shut shit down that you haven't even made illegal robert well a couple things uh to priscilla's point about where the public is this is another reminder that they actually are fine with minority rule and they think they should rule regardless and so they got no issue imposing their morality on everyone else regardless of of what they think including a lot of their own voters so this is red meat for their base for their very active anti-abortion rate uh um uh, base um by the way, which has a very questionable history. A lot of the religion, uh, outside of Catholicism, a lot of the religious denominations, they're very, quote unquote, uh, pro-life or anti-abortion now, never were until it became a, a nice cultural wedge issue to, 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 after Roe versus Wade. Um, but look, you're going to, they claim, the bill claims in the fig leaf it's going to allow you know, intervention on the life of the mother, but then it makes, it creates all sorts of new felonies. So why are doctors going to risk uh, being overruled or questioned as to whether the life of mother was really at risk? So doesn't do anything but the felony part, in my opinion. And then another uh, related bill um, with many of the same authors and co-authors uh, that would give the Wisconsin child tax credit to the unborn, which is, of course, an attempt to uh, create to impose their religious definition of when life begins and uh therefore god knows that might be enough if that was to be passed and signed for white ring uh supreme court to say there there's no right to an abortion because it's recognized in wisconsin tax law blah 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 so go ahead get that ultra scan to get your tax break it is uh, uh pr pretty yeah it, it it it'll go on and on until we restore democracy and these folks are disempowered look folks we're gonna have to wrap up this segment but this is what a gerrymandered legislature will produce right this kind of situation and robert you said it aptly this is minority rule right that we just talked about both at the state level and at the federal level, right? What we just experienced was the minority taking advantage, the mega minority in this country of their power to extract some things, right? And and there you go. Welcome to a mega America, folks. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin, your citizen action. Folks, welcome back. We are we're down to our last segment. It's been it's been a hell of a show. Um, eh, it's June. You know what that means? It's Pride Month, and I want to make sure we talk about this because there's a lot of other issues. But hey, we often talk about how it's such a short summer, and June is an amazing month. Maybe a little wetter than we'd like. We need it to be a little wetter. But Priscilla, it's such a it's summer's here. Pride Fest is in Milwaukee this weekend. How can we not be a bit happy and some smiles? Yeah, it's it's hopefully going to be, seems to be like going to be great weather. Uh, hopefully the rain will, you know, happen today. Uh, 
and like, or no, don't happen today. Happen the fifth. <laughs> happen after Pride Fest, after the Pride Parade on Sunday. Make sure if you're not in Milwaukee, find where your local prides are or come down to Milwaukee. Milwaukee's got a great Pride Fest, a great Pride Parade, lots of fun. Uh, but yes, it is. It is Pride Month. Happy. It's happy become Pride. one of the biggest non-summer fest festivals in Milwaukee. Yeah. You know, when I hey Priscilla, when I was a kid, Festa Italiana was the biggest festival. It can't even get its act together to have a have it at Summerfest anymore. Pride Fest has become uh, a gem of the festivals. Yes, this year it feels more, more. It feels bigger this year, just given how much is going on in terms of anti-LGBTQIA everything across uh, the state, across the country. These don't say gay bills, these anti-drag bills. Uh, We're watching what's going on with Target. Uh, This year feels more important to do something to celebrate Pride this year. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to, uh, in particular, uh, County Exec David Crowley, who's been very full-throatedly out front and um, really um, important leadership. Robert. So, well, I think it's well understood that gay folks know how to party. And so that is uh, drawn in a whole lot of, 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 of all, you know, ethical folks who believe in inclusion and, and uh, want to go party with some a lot of fun people uh, who wouldn't. Uh, well, I guess I, I can answer Excellent my own question. Some of the people that are the, in power who are benefiting from fomenting hatred, dividing in order to gain power and empower their ultra-rich and corporate uh, benefactors and, and funders. And so it's a, it reminds me as a as a gay man, a little bit of the, you know, oh, we're going to be, we're in a post-racial society now, uh-huh, before, you know, the whole Black Lives Matter movement. Well, it seemed like after gay marriage and 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 equity, uh, equality, the huge landmarks that maybe we were getting to a, a post-homophobic society. Uh, not so much. Uh, the, what the, the right is and conservatives generally, but this kind of right winger is extremely great ingenuity to find someone else they can target and stigmatize and make scary and create disgust over by lying about them. And then to in order to build power, right? And we're seeing that with the with the LGBTQIA uh, plus movement with trans people in particular, but it's affecting all gay people. And what's interesting about it is I had this reflection, and this is part of why I stayed in the closet so long. The way uh, the the common culture works is if you're heterosexual, heteronormative, right, then your your main identity is not what sex acts you might engage in, right? But if you come out as gay when when I was a kid, then then all the focus is, why would you want to do that? And so they, they, they make an interesting false equivalency between your sexual preference and identifying you with sex and therefore lewdness and then for violating conventional values. And so that is how in Ron DeSantis's Florida, simply telling kids that there are trans people, there are gay people, there, there are kids with two mommies or two daddies, that that is telling them in something indecent about sex. It assumes that absurdity. 
But when you say that there's a mommy and daddy, and they, does, they don't say that that's lewd and therefore implying sex because mommy and daddy, in order to be mommy and daddy, had to have sex, right? And so it's amazing, but they can create, and there's good, good communication and social psychology on this. Uh, when you create a disgust reaction, people aren't open to thinking about caring and empathy. And so it shuts people down. It creates this rage. And that's what we see where they storm school boards demanding certain books be taken out because they believe uh, they, that, that lewd and gross, horrible things are, 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 being, are exposing my kindergartner and, just, and, and destroying them, right? That, and it's, it's amazing, but let's face it, we're, we're a species that was capable of things like, a lot of things like witch hunts back in the day. So people will believe shit once a moral panic is created. And it's just gross. And the people, there are people, I'm on the Earl Ingram show on civic media every week. And we had a lot of right-wing callers this week. I'm on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. And uh, some of them were very earnest and had simply been misled. Uh, one of them in particular was is a very good conversation. So we got to make a distinction between the people who have been exposed to this and, and, and we could actually talk to, this is what Deep Canvas is about, and the malevolent leaders of the Ron DeSantis right. or their equivalents in Wisconsin that are actually behind this and actually leaning in to, to, to creating what is a big another big lie and a gross oppressive one at a time, let me just point out, the suicide rate for trans teens is astronomical. They are killing people by doing this, yes. killing them, and they do not care, just like they didn't care about using COVID as a way to build power and undermining what we need to do to keep everyone safe. This was beautiful. Thank you both. Um, and let me just say, it's a just folks get out, enjoy Wisconsin, enjoy these amazing festivals that are going to kick off this month of celebration in unity. And I think, as you also said, Priscilla, speaking, just pushing back against the unsafeness that has been generated by the mega minority that rules this country. Um, and I want to use this to segue into an article that's in In These Times, which we love, um, that says you can't organize alone. That's the title of the article, and it is 100% right. And it makes a couple of fundamental arguments. One, you need to join and be a part of broader groups and organizations like Citizen Action. And yes, I am talking to you, the listener. If you like this show, you ought to, you ought to become a member of the co-op. And you ought to donate and help support this work. Um, we rarely ask for resources. We never have ads. But we do need your support, not only to make it happen, but we need your support to create the, the world we want, right? And to take on this mega minority that is trying to run our country right now. And we're continue at this very important inflection moment. And the other thing this article makes, and Priscilla, I'm going to kick it to you on this, is it's really, really important that we recommit ourselves to education, public edu education, political education of ourselves and our fellow travelers and new organizers, and try to, as much as possible, do that in multiple ways in space and recreate community while educating people and understanding that we all 
had people who taught us and in, 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 in many cases through other trainings, and we need to recommit to that. Priscilla, the reason I want you to talk about that is we're about to relaunch our Movement Politics Academy, which is going to have both cohorts, but also a whole list of trainings. Tell us more. And maybe you could also speak to this, this, this sentiment. Yeah, um, I'll speak to the sentiment first of, of finding that community. Um, we just got, we just wrapped up uh, talking about pride, like that's a community, uh, your, your political education, your volunteering, that's a community. That's how I got uh, involved with, I started volunteering because I wanted to find a community of people who had those same values that that I did. Uh, so you can't you can't do this alone. I know we uh, we get so quickly into this mindset of like, oh, I'm, I got to do this all by myself. But you you don't, and you're not alone. We all have these these progressive values that we don't want to give up fighting on. It can get exhausting when we see like I got into this because of of gun control. Uh, and since I got into all of this, nothing's really changed on gun control. It's if anything, it's gotten worse. Uh, and so it can get really defeating, but that's why you got to find your community. That's why you got to not, not let up, uh, which is why I'm so excited to be uh, launching the second uh, Movement Politics Academy. We're going to start later this summer. Uh, if you want to get involved and you don't know what you want to do, or you want to run for office, or you want to be a campaign manager, you just want to learn whatever you can learn to be the best uh, organizer or volunteer or community member that you can be, this is for you. Make citizen action your community. Make movement politics your community. We would love to have you. Uh, learn all the things. Learn together. There's uh, never a point where you just learned it all. So um, maybe maybe yeah maybe we could build a parallel virtual community where we all participate in <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> i've heard these things are fun anyways robert your thought on this and uh the whole idea of you know organizing in community and that we have to get much more serious about political education for example one thing priscilla you mentioned you came in around gun control that's one issue, but you have learned and become politically educated and evolved on a whole number of broad issues, uh, and others have similar pathways. Robert, glad you're just you're promoting this article on the These Times uh, magazine. I'm on the board with the author Kisa Reynolds, and I actually saw an earlier draft, so I'm glad that we we got this to print. Uh, and uh, it makes the point that we're making all the time that. Organizing is a team sport, just like democracy is. And you can play baseball or football, try to on your own. Good luck having a very good game. <laughs> and so it is useful to individually do things, call your mayor, uh, you know, vote. But that's only the beginning, folks. We, we, we only build power and learn from each other and learn from all of what we've learned in the past because there is knowledge that is built up generation to generation in community organizing and in political education and training in 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 the very closely related uh, electing progressive finding and, and electing progressive candidates and so kudos to kisa for publishing this actually in these times as new executive director is an organizer alex han so this is 
uh, very organizing focused uh, national magazine with a with it with a large national audience and worth tracking. Well, folks, we'll have a link to that article. And again, we'll also have a link right next to it, how you can join one of our organizing co-ops and or just donate to Citizen Action. Folks, we got to wrap up this Battleground Wisconsin podcast. I do want to give two updates on uh, quickly on our union situation. Uh, true stage workers are still on strike. Uh, they, I believe, may be voting again to extend that strike. There is word that there is movement in negotiations and the, they thank the community support. Keep showing up to that picket line. Also, Masterlock had a had a, a event yesterday on Wednesday, and a number of community leaders say it is not over. They are going to continue to try to fight for those critically important jobs in Milwaukee. Folks, we'll talk more about that later on down the road. I want to thank our producer, Brian Woldridge, who makes not only this show happen, but every damn show uh, here at the Battleground Wisconsin. We thank him very much, and we will see y'all next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin.